Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, that was fun last night. That <laughs> sure was something, wasn't it? Woo! That was uh, it was a baseball game. I got a I got a text afterwards that said, "Well, that was certainly a baseball game that was played in nine innings." <laughs> and that's really about all you can say about last night's game. Uh, yeah, I really, really wish because when I got home from work, it was starting the bottom of the ninth, and okay. I was like, I had a bad feeling, of course, obviously. Yeah. But when the game kind of got to a point where it was first and third, one out, I was like, this game's going to be over in nine innings. Okay. I just don't know who's going to win. Okay. Okay. And I wish I would have tweeted it out because it would have been very prescient. But hey, it was over in nine innings. It was, and it was a, and it was a good game. It was over the good in nine innings, won. and the good guys won. Um, and uh, I tweeted tweeted a thing uh, last week about um, <laughs> how the the Rockies beat the Cubs in that game um, when Greg Holland loaded the bases in the ninth. And I tweeted out that it was it was almost better that way because it let Cubs fans have like a moment of hope before they just got destroyed in that Correct. game. And uh, last night was the same, maybe even a little bit better because the Giants came back from nine one. They were down in the eight runs in, in the, the seventh, seventh, seventh inning. inning, and they came back and tied it, and then they blew it anyway. <laughs> the best moment of last night. And it was Hunter Strickland too blowing. It. Yeah, so it was even better. That's yeah. just mwah. Uh, John Miller last night when that game got over on um, it's not it's no longer CSN Bay Area now it's NBC Sports Bay Area uh, yes. but John Miller was on the call last night with Mike Kruko and he said um, after the Rockies uh, walked it off on uh, Ramel Tapia's uh, single he said quote well they didn't win the pennant but they're celebrating like they did as if no team has ever celebrated a walk-off win in excited fashion ever. And how about all like the salty Giants fans in our mentions, like tweeting us like emojis of rings? They were like, so like, really like really so that's upset. adorable. Like come on, it was so great. That's a good thing about sports is uh, your team sucks this year, man, and there's nothing you can do to deny it. <laughs> no, like, sorry, like, sorry. We've we've been in your shoes. It was pretty great. Okay? We know what it's like to suck a lot. Pretty great. It's pretty great to, to be <laughs> the that. Purple Dinosaur Podcast. <laughs> we know what it's like to suck a lot. <laughs> in both a podcasting and a baseball capacity um and with that hey welcome in it's episode number 107 of the purple dinosaur podcast i'm tyler Vaughn, and i'm anthony masterson the emmy winner and anthony masterson are you gonna do this every week now i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep grinding you know <laughs> once you stop <laughs> once you stop grinding man <laughs> once you stop grinding it's when the haters get you <laughs> it's when the haters get you <laughs> and uh with that 
let's get started on episode number 107. Um, is this the in honor of Raymel Tapia? Yeah, it has and to be. a walk-off home run last night, last number night, seven, Raymel Tapia? I think that was Judy who uh, tweeted in and said, can this be the I Tapia episode tomorrow because he's number seven? And since we, you know, don't have triple-digit baseball numbers. Um, Literally, the, the I can't think of another number seven in the city of Denver who's been better than Raymel Tapia. Um, Not one. Craig Morton led the Broncos to a Super Bowl. Other than that, though, I don't know. If Other any, than that? I've never like, heard of a number name seven. Name one. Name one number seven is better than Raymond Tapia. Man. Um, yeah, I know. I yeah, know. It's hard. I guess we can't. Carmelo yeah. Anthony, when he went to the Knicks, he, he changed to number seven. Does that count? It does not. Okay. Um, yeah, then I'm, I'm at a loss then. I have no idea. Can't think of anybody. Was it Kaz Matsui number seven? Just while we're, while we're on the subject. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around this right Oh, Kaz Matsui. Not so much. Matsue. <laughs> um, Kaz, uh, why doesn't it bring up the, the uniform thing on Baseball Reference now? What the hell, man? Uh, well, I'm not going to spend my time looking for this. Um, okay, so last night, your Colorado Rockies um, played the, what's the word, terrible San Francisco Giants at, uh, at Coors yeah. Field. And uh, the Rockies, as noted, led 9-1 going into the seventh inning and then gave up eight runs over the next three, two in the seventh, five in the eighth, one in the ninth. Uh, the Giants had the tying run thrown out at the plate as Spinard Dan, one of the greatest spoonerisms in baseball, tried to score on oh, a, uh, yeah. a wild pitch that wasn't that far away from the plate. Greg Holland tagged him out. Um, they went to the review. Um, thankfully, Home plate umpire Eric Cooper was standing in front of the plate from every conceivable angle. Um, I think Denard Spann was out anyway, but the tag went on his right leg, and it looked like maybe the left leg had gotten in. Either way, he was ruled out on, a, on the uh, the replay, um, ruled out on the field and then confirmed on the replay. And uh, the Rockies went to the bottom of the ninth where they walked it off with Ramel Tapia getting the walk-off single to drive in the game-winning run. Um, but we're going to start this week's edition – of the Purple Dinosaur Podcast with a discussion about last night. And from that, we will extrapolate some larger things. Rymel Tapia gets the single. It scores Mark Reynolds. The Rockies win. Everybody goes home happy. Colorado with the victory improves to 43-26. and 26. is the best record in the National League. But, I mean, that was a game that that team led by eight runs after six innings, and they blew that lead. Jeff Hoffman goes out, doesn't turn in his best day, five innings, seven hits, but he only gave up one run. He walked three, he struck out two. Not a great day for Jeff Hoffman, a game score of 49. But um, good enough when you get eight runs of support. Right, you know? exactly, and you only give up one. Matt Moore, by the way, game score of 15, three innings of work for Matt Moore, eight <laughs> runs he on 11 out seven. hits. <laughs> he struck out seven, and he walked two. Um, but the Rockies then see the bullpen. Scott Ober gives up two in an inning and two-thirds. Mike Dunn gives up three and two-thirds of an inning. Chad Qual gives up a run Jake McGee is only charged with one run but he surrendered the homer the three-run homer which was the first three-run homer hit this season by the Giants by the way and then Greg Holland gets charged with the run in the ninth Greg Holland blows the save gets the win because hashtag pitcher wins um are you does this worry you did last night worry you last night was the type of game even my mom said this to me this morning she said in seasons past, I would have turned the TV off and said, oh, these idiots, I'm done with them. And last yeah. night, you just kind of felt like, well, you know, it's one game if they blow it. It's embarrassing, but it's one well, game if they blow it. They still got the win. Yeah, you, you can't really say, oh, these bums, here we go again, when right. they're 17 games right. over 500. Exactly. This is only the, thir the third season ever they've been 17 games over 500. It's the a other different two seasons feeling. were 2007 and 2009. What happened in those years? I forget. 
Um, but no, it does speak to a little bit of a larger issue with that might be coming to a head with the Rockies right now, and that is who can they trust in that bullpen? Uh, they can trust uh, Greg Holland. He's been awesome. They can trust Jake McGee. Last night, Jake McGee gave up the three-run homer, whatever. That was the second run he has given up in the last two months, and I'm not joking. It's two yeah. months and we did up two runs. We did have some people up in the mentions like, Jake McGee, Jake McGee sucks again, blah, blah, blah. Jake McGee has been brilliant this Jake year. Jake McGee's been brilliant. He it also just pitched like that... an inning a third of the night before. Right. Like they had a flight coming back. Like it, yeah. right. He also was in the, the train in DIA. I was going to say, he teleported he the, here. He teleported. He might be a little bit woozy from the the new teleportation I think technology that's that the, the you Rockies think. were using. Yeah, like you have to think that that takes its toll. You run a guy out there, you know, not even twenty four hours after he teleports, it's gonna be you're gonna be it's tired. Gonna be, that's gonna happen. He's gonna he's gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but really, Chris Russin has been a godsend for this bullpen. Uh, he's been great as well. Beyond those three guys. Adam Ottavino has looked very, very shaky lately. Mike Dunn has looked awful since coming off the DL, since that injury that he had. Scott Oberg has been bad pretty much all year. Jordan Lyles has been bad pretty much all year. Chad Qual has been bad pretty much all year. You can't rely on only three guys. You need Ottavino especially to find it again. Like His stuff is so good, but he has no idea where it's going right now. It's either right down the middle or it's to the backstop. You know, there's no happy medium right now with Ottavino. I mean, with his stuff, with his slider, with his breaking, with his breaking stuff, with his fastball, he doesn't have to just throw it near the strike zone, but he has to give the hitters at least some semblance of sanity when it's that it might be actually a strike. And he's not doing that right now. That or it's right down the middle of the plate. Last so, night they they showed him warming in the I think it was in the ninth when Holland was on the mound. Um and it was the first time I think I've ever seen Adam Ottavino throwing, and involuntarily I went, "Oof!" And that's right? not a good feeling. Like, you know, it's he no, is since... my favorite. I love love that dude because I want to be best friends with him because he's like the coolest human. Basically, I am with Adam Ottavino the way George is with Elaine's boyfriend Tony in that episode where he has a total man crush on him. Like that's me and Adam Ottavino. He's the coolest dude out there. And uh, man, I've never ever felt that way seeing him throw in the bullpen he just looks lost he does and before his injury he wasn't looking great either and really over the last a month he's had a lot of walks you know he's not striking out as many guys really since the start of may i want to say he's been pretty tough and you can look at the numbers numbers he, he had a 142 era in april struck out 15 batters in 12 and two thirds in may he walked 10, struck out 9, and 8 in a third in May in 11 appearances. Then went on the DL late in May. And since he's come back in June, he's given up uh, two runs in two and third innings and three appearances. He has struck out five, but, you know, the walks are what really gets you with Adam Ottavino. And that's not necessarily what we saw from him previously. So it could have been in May he was a little bit injured trying to play through it. It led to some erraticness, erraticity. What am I looking for here? Erasticity. Erasticity. Uh, <laughs> led to having more walks than, than strikeouts in a month, and then the DL might have helped, but he is not right, clearly. But therein lies the issue for the Rockies and Bud Black. You know, He's got a lot of guys in that bullpen, but not a lot of guys you can trust in, apparently, an eight-run game. Which is not a good thing. The Rockies had a game like this earlier in the season in which they jumped out to a huge lead over the Dodgers. Um, and that was 
what this game started to remind me of. It was a 10-7 win on May 11th at Coors Field. The Rockies were up 10-0 after four innings, and they ended up winning that game by three runs, 10-7. And if memory serves, I believe the Dodgers had runners on in the ninth. Uh, They did. Um, They scored two runs in the ninth, and they had a runner at third. Uh, when that game was finished. And so it's one of those games you think like, oh, man, good. It's a night out for the bullpen. They're going to have to worry about getting Greg Holland up, whatever. Last night they do. And I also think there is something that speaks to the fact that if you are a, a reliever or a closer, you think to yourself, okay, my team is up 9-1. I'm probably not going to have to work today. And maybe mentally yeah. you don't shut it JPD down. JPD too. But know? Exactly. Yeah. But you're in a different state of mind. Yes. Uh, and – and honestly, for, for Jeff Hoffman, too, at the same time, I remember this is not going to say, oh, when I played, but like when I played and my team gave me a big lead, I didn't pitch as well. I wasn't right. as focused. Yeah. And and play, people are like that. Some some guys are like it's that. It's just human nature. Leads, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's you not to say like, right. It's not to say like everybody just major leaguers all turn into slackers. And so therefore having a big lead is a bad thing, but it is human no, nature to just say like, okay, I've got a cushion to work with. I can let guys put the ball and play whatever. I, I don't need to be quite as sharp. Um, I can't tell you how many guys I interview on a regular basis who say it's easier to keep myself locked in. If the other guy is throwing as well as I am starting pitchers who were locked in a one, nothing game or a scoreless game, something like that. You're more tuned into just how good you need to be. If you don't have that, that margin to work with. Now, obviously, everybody wants a margin to work with, but there is a time when I think that hive-mindedness kind of plays into a, a conjunctive sense of failure with a day that just goes poorly all around. The same way that hitting right. is contagious, I think pitching can be contagious, and I think that can happen in a negative sense, too. So, yeah. And especially if you're a reliever who's inheriting guys on, who is already put in tough spots. I mean, Jake McGee comes in in a very difficult situation last night. Um not easy. It doesn't excuse it, uh, no. but at the same time, like those games are going to happen, and the fact they came away from that game with a win is huge. It just it kind of makes you wonder: is there a soft underbelly to the bullpen that is going to rear itself in a in a bad time? Yes, I mean they need to get Mike done right. Yeah, they need to get uh, Jordan Lyles and Scott Obrey maybe off the team. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know it's it's getting to a point with them. Like, listen, we we say it a lot. They seem like very nice people. Um, they aren't big leaguers right now they're you know, not that's that, that's the thing um you know is it time to give matt Kara city a chance up in the big leagues you know even is it jerry time? vasto somebody like even that. jerry vasto who does exist apparently bobby demuro would be very impressed that we think that he exists because we thought that he was just a, a figment of bobby demuro's imagination for so long but jerry vasto is doing very very well down in triple a right now um Jerry Vasso was a 24th round pick from something called Felician College in Lodi, New Jersey. I don't even know if you Whoa, pronounce hey, it Lodi or if hey, that's just the California way. Stuck that just sounds Lodi, embarrassing. But also, um, Austin House is he going to get a chance soon? I mean, I think it's, I think it's time that we have seen what Lyles and Obergen too. I think it's time to give somebody else a chance and see if they can surprise you. Here's you the know? thing I don't get. Scott Oberg has an option left. Scott Oberg could be sent to Albuquerque. You can make that move. If yeah. Carlos Estevez is the guy you want to bring up because you've already used one of yeah. his options this year, even that makes sense. But Scott Oberg right now, he's not providing you a lot. Jordan Lyles, I understood for a while he's going to be a free agent after this year. Maybe you can drum up some value for him, that type of thing, if you keep him on the roster. He doesn't have any options left, yada, yada, yada. Jordan Lyles, it's not working. It is it, not working. It's, it's, he's got it's a okay 7.06 to go somewhere else right. and – 
succeed and, somewhere. And really, I hope okay. he succeeds somewhere else. Jordan yes, Lyles absolutely. is a great dude. He seems like a, a very intuitive intellectual type of ball player who I don't think anybody in the world is more frustrated by Jordan Lyles' struggles than Jordan Lyles. The same way with Eddie Butler. I wanted Eddie Butler to go off and be dominant somewhere, be great somewhere. I would love to see Jordan Lyles be that way. It's not going to be here. And the situation that exists when you play at Coors Field, hashtag Coors, is guys who get beat up here are getting beat up exponentially more than they're going to be getting beat up elsewhere. Eddie Butler, when he inevitably struggles at Wrigley Field, he's going to be able to bounce back a little bit quicker because there isn't exactly the same likelihood you're going to run out the next time and also give up eight runs. So I think with Jordan Lyles, that same sort of situation exists, and I just don't understand. For a while, when this was April and it was May, I sort of got it. And there was a stretch where Jordan Lyles looked fine. I mean, Jordan Lyles from May 23rd through June 10th allowed one run over a stretch of eight appearances. Like, he looked okay. He dropped his ERA from 8.53 to 6.41 in that stretch. You thought, okay, maybe he's going to at least throw an effective inning here and there. Baby steps, yeah. But, man, it just it, it isn't working. No, it's like every time they start Tyler Chatwood at home, like maybe this will be the time he figures out how to pitch a right. Coors Field, and right. he never does. But yeah. then he goes on the road and tosses six six innings of one-run ball every yeah. single time. You're like, oh, okay. So the, the question then becomes, because this is the question that we have gotten over and over and over, when John Gray returns, which looks like it's going to be within the next week or so, John Gray is going to pitch in a rehab assignment for AAA Albuquerque at Sacramento coming up on Sunday – Tyler Anderson will also pitch a rehab start in that series in Sacramento, um, which is a Giants affiliate. Wah, wah. Sorry, Giants guys. Um, no, don't their affiliates have all the worst records of all of their respective divisions and levels? Yeah, I'm pretty sure divisions that they're, and levels. I think they do, terrible. or at least they did like a little while ago, but I'll, they're uh, all really bad. I'll check it out here. Um, the San Francisco Giants are the worst organization in terms of winning percentage for their affiliates. Their combined minor league affiliates – are 107 and 164 to 395 winning percentage. The next fewest wins. They're the Phillies. Yeah, basically. The next fewest wins among minor league affiliates is the Washington Nationals, who have 116. That's nine more wins and 10 fewer losses, 154. The Giants affiliates throughout. San Jose is 30 and 37. That's their Class A advanced team. That is the best record in the system. It's a 448 winning percentage. Richmond is 27 and 38. Sacramento is 25 and 40. Augusta, their low A affiliate is 21 and 41. God almighty, that is garbage. Um, But when those guys come back, John Gray should be back within a week to 10 days if everything goes well. Tyler Anderson will also likely be back within a week to two weeks. What happens? So even as late as last week, I was like, you know, Sensatella's got to stay in there. He's doing so well. Yeah, it wasn't just the the rough start he had in in uh, in Chicago. Whatever, it's not that big of a deal. He still battled through it. Whatever. Sensatella still is doing with the most smoke and mirrors of anybody on the staff, but he does have the good stuff. He just doesn't have That's any fair. great stuff. He's got a 99 mile an hour fastball when he wants it. His breaking stuff isn't necessarily great. Um, it's not the kind of stuff that like Jeff Hoffman has or even Herman Marquez has. So you could potentially fix a lot of problems you have in that bullpen when John Gray comes back and Tyler Anderson comes back by shifting Sensatella to the bullpen. You're going to keep your his innings down because, you know, he didn't throw a lot of innings last year. Keep his innings down, but also give him the freedom to come in, work on two pitches, throw that 99-mile-an-hour fastball, make your slider, make your curveball better, whatever it is, make that better, and then all of a sudden you've got a dude who's lights out in the vein of someone like Archie Bradley. Now, I know Archie Bradley has better stuff, quote-unquote, 
than Antonio Sensatella, but a guy can come in, throw multiple innings, and also chuck it up there near triple digits. That's a weapon you don't have in that bullpen right now. And especially with a guy like Sensatella, who has very good control, that's also good as well. You're not gonna have not gonna have him coming out of the bullpen, you know, walk in the ballpark. So I I've come around to that idea. I think like Shane Hall was talking about it on Twitter. Uh, and Clyde Bixby was as well. Um, I think it's a good call that Sensatella may be the first one to be shifted into that bullpen role. And, I think and, that's and I'm fair. not going to hate it. I'm not going to hate it if it happens. The the first guy to really point this out um, this season, I think, was, uh, was our good buddy Connor Farrell. And one of the notes that it makes you think about when you start thinking about Sensatella in that context, you talk about that fastball, it's a power fastball. For most guys, and this isn't necessarily going to be the case, but for most guys, velocity plays up in the bullpen. So if you have a guy who's throwing 95 to 97 as a starter in the bullpen, that's potentially 98 to 100 or something more because you're throwing in shorter bursts. You're able to exert yourself a little bit more and you build yourself up for those short flashes of what you can do on the mound. Now, there are a lot of organizations who I think get a little bit wary of, I had a, a farm director tell me this in spring training, that there are too many systems that think, I'll just throw this guy in the bullpen, his stuff will play up, it'll be great. That isn't always the case for everybody, and the only thing that would concern me about it with Antonio Sensatella is over the course of his career, he's made 106 appearances across all of his different levels in the minor leagues and the major leagues. 105 of those have been starts. His only appearance in relief was with the Dominican Summer League Rockies back in 2012, which was his debut season in the professional ranks when he was 17 years old. So he's not used to it. That doesn't mean that he can't do it, but there may be an adjustment period. I do think uh, the stuff is a very good fit for the bullpen. I also don't think it rules out bringing him back into a starting capacity down the road, whether it's later on this year or next year. It probably wouldn't be this year. Once you move a guy into a relief role, you don't necessarily want to bring him back into a starting uh, capacity for a rotation. But um, I, I think the the point you make is very valid in that. He goes to the bullpen. He really only has to worry about two pitches, and you have a lot of confidence in a guy that if you need to get a ground ball out, if you need to blow somebody away with 99, you have a very dynamic arm back there in somebody like Senzatella that gives you confidence that maybe you don't necessarily have in some of the other guys in that bullpen right now. Yeah. And listen, I, on top of that, it really is time to give some of the kids in AAA a chance. And yeah. they, those kids are playing well in AAA, by the way. The Matt Caracity right now in uh, in AAA, he's got a 213 ERA. He has 13 for 15 save opportunities, 34 Ks in 25 and a third. Austin House, 220 ERA. He's got 31 Ks in 32 and two-thirds. Jerry Vasto, 274 ERA, 23 Ks in 23 innings. Like, at some point, why aren't you giving these guys a chance right. when you have so many players that are struggling below replacement level in your bullpen yeah. in the major league level? It doesn't make any sense. Well, and especially because of the fact that, like, this is what the Rockies have been touting for so long is the depth Sam that they Mole, have. Sam Mole, Sam Mole looks really good, too. Yeah. Carlos Estevez yeah. actually has looked very good in AAA. He's got a 2.92 ERA in, thir- in 13 appearances. Uh, he struck yeah. out 13 and 12 and a third. He's walked seven, so that's a little high, but um, the numbers are there for him. And, you know, I know that a lot of people are off the Carlos Estevez bandwagon. Um, I still really like Carlos Estevez in think that he can be a very effective member of a major league bullpen he's also 24 years old it's, it's really hard to say no to that stuff right, in that arm right exactly especially now there's no reason why you would say no to that at this point My so God. that really is kind of the only thing that's left 
me scratching my head about this team right now is why Jordan Lyles and Scott Oberg especially continue to get innings in spots where, you know, the, the finale against the Cubs, it's a game that was winnable. And then all of a sudden, eh, we, we got to throw Jordan Lyles out there, and then it's not winnable anymore. Um, or, hey, Scott Oberg, or, hey, Mike Dunn, or, right. hey, you know, Chad Qualls. Like, and, there's a lot of guys that come in the game, and you're like, oh, well, this game's over. Or and this Mike Dunn like, was terrific up until the injury. Mike Dunn, I mean, through the yeah, start of was, his season, was. was outstanding. He had a 1.08 ERA as of May 7th. Didn't allow a run until April 22nd, which I think was his 10th or 11th appearance of the season. Um, so he was great to start the year. And uh, you just kind of wonder, is it the back thing? Is it something else? That was a a very – when he was throwing well, you thought, man, maybe they did find something big in this the new Boone Logan contract that they handed out. And it was going to be a big compliment. I mean, a guy who could come in and get you out in a spot where you need a left-hander who isn't Jake McGee. You can save him for more high-leverage spots. Uh, but it just hasn't worked that way as of yet. So you got to get these guys right, man. I mean, I think that's the – last night was fun because they ended up winning, whatever. But it does make you – look a little bit behind the curtain and think like, they did blow an eight run lead in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. But they won. So (laughs) for the 43rd time this year in how many games? 69. Nice. 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 (laughs) There have definitely been years when this team has been 26 and 43 at this time. We actually, um, one of our, uh, one of our new favorite buddies on Twitter is Mike Morrison at Mike K Morrison, who he he tweets his gifts and videos and stuff all the time. And Mike, I did not notice this, but last month for an ask PDP question, Mike, um, tweeted in a question and said, in an alternate universe where the Rockies started six, 17 and 26, what went wrong? And like, I think that's the universe we were all expecting to live in at this point. Absolutely, because <laughs> we're very used to that, you know. And, and it's it it's the damnedest thing this year. The one year the Rockies are actually really good. Two other teams in their own division are also really, really good, playing like basically the same baseball that they are. And by the way, the Rockies, their run differential is better than the Nationals now. Just FYI. Um, but I've been but, told repeatedly that the run differential is what was going to sink them. But but here's the thing, with now, now we've talked about this before on the podcast where. Eventually, it's going to be a process of elimination to get into the playoffs. Now, because five teams can go, and how many teams in the National League are actually going to qualify for the, or going to be in contention for the postseason? Probably not that many more. Right now, uh, in the American League, the wild card, all teams are separated. All the rest of the teams are separated by five and a half games. The A's are last place in the American League wild card. They are five and a half games out, but behind the Rays and the Indians, who are tied for the second wild card spot right now. I know it's really tied with the wild card, but this is just interesting. In the National League, you got the D-backs and the Dodgers right now in the two wildcard spots. They have the same record. The next closest team is eight games back. Eight games back already. That's not close. The entire American League is within five and a half games of each other. The second and third team in the National <laughs> League are eight games apart. And then the next team is ten games back. Oh, my God. That is insane. At some point, you run out of time. You run out of games. And we're not at that point. It's June 16th we're not at that point yet but you can you can make it very very difficult for teams to get back at you without going on you know 21 out of 22 game win streaks you know we've seen that before have we i don't remember that but it's, it's the cubs the cubs are under 500 they're eight games back they're the next closest team in the wild card standings that's ridiculous now, and this also brought up on twitter to me this week too um when i said when i brought that up on twitter saying like hey listen guys 
you know, the next closest team they look to the wild card is eight games back. That is that is a lot. That is a lot of games. Even on June fifteenth, that's a lot of games. It's like so that bodes well for a playoff appearance. If people were saying, "I don't want a playoff appearance. I want, I, I want the division." And so it got me thinking, like, we can't be that greedy already, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, like, man, yeah, I would course, love a division hey, title. Hey, listen, at, at this point, if we if we go out and the Rockies win the division, that is awesome because they're playing right. good baseball. Right. I'm if all they for it. make it. If they get a wild card or they make the playoffs, are we really going to be upset? Right. We, we can't be those guys, can right. we? Right. No. Um, like, it, it is playoffs or bust Playoffs? At this, yeah. Like, we, we can't get greedy. No. No, I we agree. We would love for it to happen. And, like, and this was, I think it was Clive Bixby. We love Clive Bixby. He's he's awesome. He's he's one of our, our good buddies on Twitter. Absolutely. But he's saying he wants the division. Sure, we all do. Totally. But we, we can't be mad. No. If they just get a wild card, you know, right? The most that's so Rockies thing of 2017, which is ironic in that it's basically the total opposite of that's so Rockies of any other season, but in only a a fashion that could affect this team and this fan base, the Rockies have the best record in the National League. The two teams behind them have the second best records in the National <laughs> League. The next best record in the National League is leading its division by nine and a half games. And the next best record behind that is a division leading Milwaukee Brewers, who in this division in the National League West would be six and a half games out of first place. So the Rockies right now are playing the best ball they have ever played through nearly 70 games of a season. They're also boned by the fact that the two other best teams in the National League are right on their heels. So it's like, yeah, I would love the division, but if it's going to be a three-horse race the entire year, first of all, A, that's going to be fun as hell to watch. It'll be stressful, and I'll probably die from a coronary embolism at some point. But B, I'm not going to be complaining about a playoff berth. If it comes down to game 162, and for whatever reason, the the dice fall in a manner that gives the D-backs a division and the Dodgers a, a wild card berth and the Rockies a wild card berth, well, man, and then it's going to be a fun wild card game. And that's what sports are about. Uh, I, I'd be so worried if it's Rockies, D-backs, wild card game. Yeah. For my own. For, for my own yeah, then, for your own, uh, your own na- home life. Marriage. Oh! Also, I meant to ask you this. Um, I will be only two weeks married at the wild card game. If it is Rockies D backs, it will not be a good scene. Yeah, and are you are you doing a honeymoon immediately after the? Uh, we're doing a, a mini moon. We got okay. a timeshare in Cabo for five days. Oh, I'm going okay. Back to the post. Okay, that's why that's why we did that. That because I was going to say. You're no, a man I'm who not. works on the postseason. What what's the situation going to be there? I, I am not going to miss the postseason. Okay. We did like a five days in Cabo in a timeshare, and then I'll be back on the okay. last Sunday of regular season baseball okay okay i got you good um i also uh i was gonna i was gonna let this drop on twitter but um i forgot to uh i think for episode number whatever it'll be by that point one twelve one eighteen whatever it'll be i think um craig goldstein and i might just sit in the back of your wedding and just like provide a play-by-play commentary of it we'll just put that out as the podcast yeah, that's cool. We'll just yeah. make fun of you I, for like an hour. I ain't doing straight. a podcast last week of the season. Sorry. Um, no, it's good to know your commitment to this yep. to this free project that we've undertaken. <laughs> I don't think that uh, that people that are angry Thomas at us for not putting out enough episodes, which I loved, by the way. 
Yeah, so let's talk whoever about that, that was. Second. That was the greatest. That was awesome. <laughs> that was a, like a Reddit commenter. Yeah, whoever you were, I love you, yeah. and I want to give you a hug. Tell those fuckers at the PDP <laughs> to start making more episodes. <laughs> quote, sorry, quote. Tell those fuckers at the PDP to start making more episodes. <laughs> I don't know so who you were, but I love you so much. Whoever that was. That's like legitimately one of the greatest compliments of, of this podcasting run that we've been on. It's fantastic. <laughs> whoever whoever wants that many more podcasts that much. Um, here's what hey, we're going to we do. appreciate it, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's, absolutely. Well, it's we, huge. When we started this in 2014, we did not expect people to get mad at us for not making enough of no, these things. So that's no. great. Um, if anything, I think we we figured people at some point would have to stage an intervention and be like, what are you doing? Why are you putting out like, a podcast about the Colorado Rockies weekly? Nobody what is cares. Wrong with Nobody's you? ever cared. <laughs> no one cares and no one's listening. Stop doing this to yourselves. Um, here's what we got coming up on the show. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, a large issue from last night's game and what it means going forward, and that is... The Ramel Tapia conundrum. We'll talk about that here shortly. Uh, but before that, we're going to move on. We're going to be joined by a voice that you know and love from the Denver sports media community, Reno Notaro, who has been a uh, a rarity in that he likes baseball and knows about it and uh, and works in the Denver sports media. Uh, and he has been around this Rockies team since its inception in the early 90s. We'll talk to Reno about what he thinks of this current Rockies team. We'll also talk to Reno about what it's like to be a brother to one of the greatest stand-up comedians on the planet. We'll talk about that when uh, the show returns. Purple Dinosaur Podcast, Reno Notaro coming up next. Going to talk a little Rockies baseball with uh, one of the, the white elephants of the Denver sports media in that a guy who works on Denver sports radio actually understands and loves and talks about baseball, and that is Reno Notaro from My Life Sports, who you have known and loved for quite some time, and we have as well. But for some reason, it's the first time we've had Reno on the PDP because I'm a jackass like that. Reno, welcome, buddy. How are you? Thank you, and uh, I have been called a white elephant before. <laughs> so, <thank you. laughs> so let's talk about uh, you, if, when we got when we called you. We kind of all started to share war stories about games that we've seen, like yeah. last night. Um, and in full admission, you said you watched them up until like the fifth or sixth last night, and then caught the highlights, which I think you are probably in the majority of people, which is really good because you didn't have to subject yourself to what the rest <laughs> yeah. of us did. So like your blood pressure is probably a lot lower than the rest of us today, but. Um, I mean, that game, it was a very classically weird Coors Field game, but the fact is that the Rockies yeah. came out with a win last night and the years past, they more than likely would not have. I mean, that's what I kind of take away from it. Yeah, it was interesting because I did. I watched uh, through, I think, the fifth, sixth inning and then saw the final score, and then it really made me want to go see the highlights <laughs> and, uh, and then to find out that they actually, you know, uh, didn't uh you know well they got the win but in a quite an unconventional fashion but you know look it's a win and it's something they can learn from and i think all of us that love baseball have heard the cliche of it's never over there's no clock in baseball well last night if you ever wonder about that it's the absolute truth and as you said we were talking about war stories of broadcasting games of teams being down a great deal well, that, that's the case, and, and you, you don't quit, and they got the win, and you move on is what you do. You just forget about it and, and move forward, get ready for today. Well, and the beauty of it, even Mark Reynolds said in his postgame interview, like, it's the beauty of baseball is that you can't kneel on the football. And so that, that was the, no, the beauty can't. of it. 
Exactly, exactly. So with that being said, like this team right now is playing the best baseball they have ever played, especially in the middle of June. Usually this is the time when they do play well. The June swoon hits or the July fry or the August. Schmogus. Uh, whatever it happens. <laughs> but like yeah. we haven't really seen or that yet from this team. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. So we haven't seen it from this no. team this year. Well, what's the difference for this team for you this year that you've been seeing? Well, I think it's the starting pitching. I, I think I remember speaking with Tyler and, and anybody that wanted to talk about baseball is this is the first time since I can remember and maybe in the history of the Rockies that the first four guys in the starting lineup, uh, starting rotation were set. You were just looking for that fifth guy since the tele came in and he was highly regarded, probably not somebody that, that most of the public knew about. And um, yeah, the, the starting pitching has come through, but to me, what's even more remarkable is that they've done it without Bettis, without Gray. Cargo's been in a slump, and Trevor Story hasn't been hitting the way he did last year. So essentially, you're doing it without two of the guys that you were expecting in your rotation, and these rookies have come out of nowhere, if you will. And and then, you know, Holland was this guy that they signed that, I mean, I think we thought, all right, uh, Adovino will close, and then if Holland's healthy, uh, maybe six weeks in, let's see how he's doing. Well, yeah. he was healthy from the the onset and 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 from the start of the season, so you never had to try anyone else out, and you have literally a proven closer on a World Series championship team, and uh, you know a guy that you know got hurt when they they won it but a guy that was one of the best closers in the american league before his injury it was just is he healthy and he's healthy and he's been lights out so yeah you you actually the rockies finally have good pitching i i everyone talks about development and i believe in development but i think it's also that the rockies missed on all their draft picks I see, you know, where have these guys gone after they were Rockies that they were successful? I don't think many guys have, have done much. Uh, so I think they finally hit on some of the, the picks that they've taken. They've made some great acquisitions, and that's where we are now. But I think it's, it's pitching and, and guys that you weren't expecting to hit, hit. Because this, this lineup is a, is a formidable lineup, one through seven, really. Well, and I think that really speaks to, you know, when, when Jeff Bright has started taking over the, the drafting side and the player development side since then, those are the guys who have really succeeded for the Rockies. And, and I do think that's a great point that we don't talk about quite as much because the rotation has been such a surprise. But coming into this season, you would have thought, okay, Carlos Gonzalez last year offensively hit like an MVP. Trevor Story, you're going to get him back. He's going to be healthy the way he tore the cover off the ball to start the year. Neither of those guys has contributed this year in this offense is still not not quite carried its weight in the way that you would expect a Rockies offense to do so, but it's carried enough of its weight to keep them as not just above water, but the best team in franchise history through about 70 games. And Reno, I mean, this is a team that you know, you've been around this team uh, in a in a, an observing capacity or a media capacity covering this team really since 93. And right now, the thing that stands out to me, um, you know, and I was, I was a kid when this team started. I didn't start covering the Rockies until 2008 or so, but now in the clubhouse, in the front office, on the player development side, things feel major league. And I don't mean that in a sense to, to take a shot at 
previous administrations, but the way things feel about the Rockies right now is the same way that they feel when when you cover the San Francisco Giants or when you cover the Houston Astros or whatever. Everything seems buttoned up, and it seems on the level of what you would expect for a team that can contend for playoff berths and for division titles. Compared with what you remember from seasons past, how does the organization seem like it's operating now, especially versus the way that it was under the previous administrations that were hostile with the media, that didn't seem to be very amateur to the yeah. fan base how does that stand out well yeah i mean clint hurdle was always confrontational jim tracy was the best yeah. ever he was yeah. the a, a kind person i think he was a great baseball guy and i think he doesn't get enough credit um yeah walt weiss was just you know that was his opportunity to manage if he ever wanted to manage that was the only way he was gonna probably get it and i don't blame walt i, I don't think they had any arms but uh yeah it, it, it it's it is a professional organization right now uh as you said about the, being confrontational i think winning helps too winning makes things easy uh for the the front office but now you have one person you have brightage you don't have this uh two or three headed right. monster that's you know, like who's in charge? Wait, who made the pick? Are you? Are you? You know, who did this? Or you know, you who's don't got have an office in the clubhouse in. for some reason? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when uh, Clint was there, Hurdle wanted to still be one of the guys, and I like it. Like the difference between Hurdle and Jim Tracy is Clint Hurdle was supposed to be the the second coming of Willie Mays, and you know, he was supposed to be right. this top prospect. That's like cover out. boy. Yeah, yeah. So he. He was he's angry a lot of the time, I think, because of that. And then you look at Jim Tracy, he was a guy that was just happy that he made it to the bigs. He got a cup of coffee right. in the big leagues and he just was like happy to be there. He's a lifer baseball guy. And Jim always stayed in his office. And Jim was the kind of guy where after a game I would go in, you know, once a series and just sit down and talk with the guy and just talk baseball or life with Jim Tracy. That's and, cool. And so, and so, you know, he would ask about family or my sister or something like that. And, and so it was, it was very, it was, uh, it was unique. And, uh, you know, Bud Black is just a, a very, you know, amicable guy. And, and uh, yeah, you can, you approach him and, and again, it does help with the winning. And, and here's a guy who was a very successful uh, pitcher in the 1980s who uh, saw great, you know, saw his team's greatness. And, and I think he was a 500 pitcher, but, uh, you know, I'm a Nolan Ryan fan, so I've never been into wins and losses for pitchers. So, <laughs> yes. um, but uh, no, I, I think it is, it's a different attitude. And, but I also think it, it, it helps with Breidich and having more talent. I mean, uh, again, I go back to who are the greatest Rockies pitchers in all time of, of all time. So uh, De La yeah, Rosa. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. it. I think. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, Astacio. I mean, right. but, yeah. You know, you, so you, there's not a lot there, and I think now you have talent, and and now you have a a, a front office again where you you can direct everything to Breidich, and he's he wants to take the heat if he has to, and he doesn't need to take the compliments he's just look just see what you're seeing on the field and you're seeing the young talent and i think 
uh, we're seeing it all around. And hopefully Story can pull out and, and get, uh, get back to hitting. I mean, does the success this year vindicate Walt a little bit? Or is the success the Rockies are having this year more of an indication that Bud Black was the right guy for the job? I mean, look, I'm not saying Walt is, you know, Casey Stengel or the, you know, Tony Larusa <laughs> or the greatest manager. But I, I, I don't, I, I, there's no way you can say all of that falls on Walt White. Uh, the the lack of success. I don't, yeah. I don't think there was any there was talent or healthy guys pitching or anything like that. But yeah, I think Bud Black is it's a if it, it's a perfect storm too, you know. And and again, here's a guy that lets them play. He's not trying to come and hang out and be one of the guys. He's already done that in his career. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to prove anything in the clubhouse. He's got his office. So no, I, I, let's give Bud Black some credit, but. Um, it is baseball and it is, you know, hit the ball, field the ball and, you know, make pitches. And these guys are making pitches, you know, they're, they're keeping it down. They're, they're, they, they're getting out of situations and this defense too. Let's not forget about that. The, the play story had diving. I mean, right. Cargo's still, still making plays. Yeah. I mean, Cargo's still making plays in right field and, and uh, LeMahieu, I think DJ LeMahieu is somebody that's really starting to get the credit he deserves nationally after we've been able to see it for the last two, three, four years. So, um, yeah, I, I just I really like Bud Black, and I think it's a it's a good it's a perfect storm right now. Talking with Renner Notaro. It starts with it, it starts with the pitching. I, I think yeah. you guys would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's which is still just so bizarre to like every once in a while you just step out outside of your mind and you're like, man, we're talking about a Colorado Rockies team on June sixteenth, and we're like, ah oh, man, this pitching yeah. staff's really carrying them, which makes zero sense. Um if you have been a, a longtime fan and listener of the PDP, uh, you know that the the one thing that we love nearly as much as baseball is stand up comedy. We've had Adam Caden Holland on the show, we've had Andrew <laughs> Orvidal on the show, we're gonna have Ben Roy on the show very soon well reno comes to us with a unique look at the stand-up comedy world because as you may have wondered from the last name notaro reno is the older brother of tig notaro one of the greatest stand-up comedians on the planet and not only that reno now has two nephews um tig's little boys who are going to be growing up in los angeles and reno and i had this Uh. discussion the other day because (laughs) reno and i've kind of gone i've got a niece who just turned three and your your little dudes are how old now they are 11 and a half months. So, so they'll be turning damn. a year. So they're getting 26. close. And so, um, you know, and like my niece is already, she's ruined. She's growing up in New York. Her father's a Yankees fan. It's just going to be a disaster. I probably won't talk to her about baseball ever because I don't need to hear about the Yankees. But you still, there's still time for you to save oh, these yeah. two little kids mm. from being Dodgers fans. So let's talk about that first because you're going to Los Angeles soon. And you, full disclosure, are an Astros fan, spent a good majority yeah. of your life in Houston. Oh. So that's the plan to make sure that they are cheering for a team that isn't the Dodgers, basically. That's the overarching plan of the Astros if you can manage it, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, <laughs> my family are all Yankee fans. Um, I was a Yankees fan until we moved to Houston, and then I just kind of, you know, once the Astros won that 1980 uh, division and played the Phillies in the postseason, that kind of really cemented me. Cause the Mike Scott it, years, uh, yeah. Made, well, that was pre-Mike Scott. Those oh, were really? the okay. 
Yeah, J.R. Richard and like, uh, Nolan yeah, okay. Ryan. Uh, when Nolan Ryan's first year, the Tequila Sunrise Mike Scott was eighty. Yeah, Mike Scott was eighty-six. He came over from the Mets. Okay. And uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I just don't want them to be Dodger fans. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> and uh, I'm going out. Their birthday is June 26th. They turn a year old, and we're going. And it was actually Tig that texted me and said, "Hey, uh, Stephanie, your wife realized that the Rockies and Dodgers were playing while." We were going to be out there, so we're all going to go to the Rockies-Dodgers game Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I, I just need to brainwash them very soon and, and keep that going. But I'm excited about that. Excited, excited to take them to a baseball game. And you know, oh, yeah. they don't know what the hell is going on, but it'll be more fun for us than, than anything else. But, yeah, it's, it'll be uh, a lot of fun. And uh, she's doing a little touring right now. and and uh, she'll tour later on in the summer also. I don't know when she's coming to Denver or back to Colorado, but uh, I'm sure she'll be coming sometime soon. I saw a ticket at the Boulder Theater yeah. a couple of years ago, and it was not, not just saying this because Reno was on the show. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life, and it was uh, like to have Tig as a sister – is that like you guys grew up together? You, you know, you're very close with your mom. Like you had all the family things, and then like now she's this international superstar. Is that ever weird? Like, do you ever go to LA and like people are like, oh my god, it's Tig Notaro, and you're like, this is just my younger sister. Like, what what has that been like for you? And that's exactly what it is because it's it, like uh, I was with my stepdad, and uh, it, I just started laughing. I was just like, it's crazy how. Tig is recognized more now. Um, you know, in the last 10 years or so, it's easier for me to give my last name, like when I'm getting coffee or a reservation, than it is for my first name. Both are probably difficult, but <laughs> my last name is easier to, easier to say and easier to spell. And so generally when I give my last name, somebody will look up and go, like, Tig Notaro? And if I'm in the mood for it, I'll go... I'll, I'll say who, and they'll say, <laughs> "Oh, the the comic," and I'll say, "Never heard funny? of him," and yeah, never, never heard of him or something like that, and then get him going. And, and uh, yeah, I, did, I actually did that at a, her HBO special. At, at we were having drinks at the bar, my friend and I, before the show, and I kind of nudged my buddy Juan and I said, "Watch this," and I was like, "Hey, who's the guy playing over at the Wilbur tonight?" <laughs> And the couple next to me, and I could tell like the whole cr whole crowd was there to go into her show. And the couple next to me, the woman leans into me and says, uh, "It's a woman, and her name's Tig." And I was like, "Wait, there's a chick playing an HBO special?" And and I they had, let ladies I do that now, do they? Yeah, they yeah let them vote, and next thing you know, they're comics. And, and so I come out of the bathroom, and Juan oh goes. God. We need to, he goes, we need to leave because everyone in this bar wants to kill you. <laughs> and so he, he was, uh, he was, we left and he was laughing so hard. He's like, I cannot believe you did that. And I told Tig that after her special when we were at dinner and she just laughed and said, so you didn't break? You didn't, you didn't tell him? I was like, no, we just walked out. And she you could have pulled out your, your driver's license and be so like, hey, see. listen, guys, sorry. <laughs> like, I literally gave her the nickname Tig. You know, like, they just think that you were a yeah, horrible he, human being. Yeah, that's exactly. They were just like, "Oh my God, Archie Bunker just left the bar," and so yeah, it was it was really funny. But no, I mean, I am 
I think you know this. I'm I'm <clears throat> at times overly proud, and I am. I'm blown away. She should be at her success, and I and I'm a fan of hers. Like I truly love going to her shows. Uh, you know, I saw her perform four times last year. It was all it was pretty much the same show, but I, I enjoy doing that, and I enjoy going to see her perform. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it is, and I appreciate you. Uh, being a fan of hers, our, our friend man. Nate. What's that? I just said absolutely, man. It's it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's no, the it, greatest. It is. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it is. It's mind blowing at times. Uh, and considering just the the rough years that have been happening in in her life and your life and your family's life in the last couple of years, to see where she is right now, that's just got to be such a huge boost to everybody involved with with Tig and with your whole family. It's it's so great to see her, you know, getting back on her feet. Yeah, it is. She's healthy. Her cancer is officially in remission because it's been five years. She oh, has awesome. twin boys. You know, I mean, I, I, and she got, it was a gay marriage in our hometown in Mississippi on the beach. So, I mean, there's another uh, landmark, uh, you know, a gay couple getting married in Mississippi. <laughs> and, you know, when Tig went to the courthouse to get the marriage license, she was really conscious of whether the woman congratulated her and the, the, the woman at the cause it was right after that crazy person in Kentucky refused to, uh, allow uh, right. the gay license. Right. And so the, and, and so when they gave Tig and Stephanie the marriage license, the woman like smiled and said, congratulations. We're so happy for you. That's and, awesome. Yeah. It's, it, it's stuff like that where, you know, you're fighting stereotypes of your home state and, and stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. And, uh, you know, Vogue magazine just did a, a story about the Mississippi Gulf coast. So wow. I know Tyler, you're a, you're a subscriber to Vogue. You magazine. know me and my Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that was, that was a really neat write up, but yeah, no, it is, it is, it's, it's a relief. And I've stopped asking her, how do you feel? Because it used to drive her nuts. She's just like, I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'll let you know, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's cancer. And anytime you hear something like cancer, it uh, it freaks you out, but <clears throat> she's healthy and happy and married and kids. And, and, uh, yeah, she's just ruling the world. They just finished filming the second season of her TV show, one Mississippi on Amazon. So if you haven't seen season one, I highly recommend watching that and then get ready for season two coming up in September. So that's, uh, that's where they are now, and all of uh, that. I'll be out there in uh, in a week. All of that. So, um, catch yeah. all of that. Also, um, where you can find it, her HBO special, Boyish Girl Interrupted from 2015. You should go watch the documentary, Tig, is phenomenal. Um, you should go watch that. Yeah. And it's rivaled only – that's a Netflix documentary. It's rivaled only by the documentary, Knock Knock, It's Tig Notaro, another documentary yeah. in which Tig just drove around the country performing comedy shows like in people's backyards and living rooms and stuff. Like that was one of the funnest documentaries I've ever watched, so catch that stuff. Also, a great movie that probably flew under the radar for some people uh, in recent years, which is actually where Tig met her wife, is In a World, um, which is from 2013. You should catch that one as well. And One Mississippi is back on Amazon. And, oh, by the way... We love Reno, and he's on Twitter. He is at <laughs> Ren Know It All, R E N Know It All. You can catch Reno on My Life Sports, where he's actually talking baseball, which is a rarity in this town. Uh, and that's where we're going to leave it. We're going to we're going to put it on this one. Do you think that things are getting to the point where the the Denver media is is pulling off of its 
24 hours a day Broncos coverage to start paying attention to this, or do the Rockies need to do this for a little while longer? I don't know. I'm uh, the backup cornerback compelling <laughs> to me. Seventh and, string uh, long the, snapper. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, the only team with two long snappers. Uh, I hope so because I me, mean, I love baseball. So I, you know, I've talked about it since I've been covering the Rockies since 1996. That was the first year that I got a press. That was my first year in radio. I remember the first day I got a press pass. I remember 1997. Was, was the first year I got a laminate pet press pass, and I just ah. thought, oh, I, I, I felt like I was in the jerk. Like that my is. Phone, name was in the phone number. <laughs> I'm like, oh, or in the phone book, and I was just like, wow, I have a, a laminate Rockies pass. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always going to talk about baseball, and when they're winning, it makes it a hell of a lot more fun. Absolutely. And I think there's nothing wrong right now of saying this team has a chance of uh, winning the West, and playing for a World Series championship because I want them to win the West. I, I, look, I yeah. have no problem if they got in with the wild card and won the World Series, but there's something about being the best team day in and day out. The fact that they're, uh, I think, five and four against the Dodgers right now and they yeah. have the, ro- the three games in L.A. coming up, I think there's something to be said about being the best team day in and day out and finally winning the West and then go win the World Series too. I think that would be the the, the crowning achievement. Let's make it happen. It sounds like a hell of a lot. Why not? Reno Notaro is on Twitter. Right. He is at Ren Know It All, R E N Know It All. Reno, we can't thank you enough, man. We should have done this a long time ago. Our apologies. But uh, in, in Los Angeles, no. do, do the Lord's work and save those kids from Dodgers fandom. I will. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. And uh, be well. We'll talk soon. Again, big thanks to Reno Notaro, who is on Twitter at Ren Know It All. Um, Tick Notaro, by the way, has a Twitter account in which I don't believe she's ever posted a tweet. Her friends and friends of her friends all tweet for her, um, which is outstanding. And she is at uh, Tig Notaro on Twitter as well. If you've never well, seen Tig stand up, yeah. She's one of the greatest on the planet. Not just like, oh, she had a good HBO special. Oh, she's no, been in funny like, movies. She's one of the most brilliant comedians I've ever seen in my entire like life. Gut-wrenching, but at the same right. time, you're laughing and you're crying at the same time. And that's what Tig really, I mean, yeah. there were, you know, for com- stand-up comedy fans, like people knew about Tig uh, and how good she was as a comedian, but she really broke through. I think in 2012, 2013, she did a set about she uh, lost her mother. Reno and Tig's mom died unexpectedly she was very young i think she was just in her 50s um tig was diagnosed with cancer and tig's girlfriend broke up with her all in the same week and tig went on stage i think in los angeles and basically just riffed for about 45 minutes on what that week had been like and louis ck was in the audience and left that night and tweeted i just saw the best set i've ever seen in my entire life um somebody had recorded it and ended up getting out uh and that really kind of put tig on the map as far as the big national comedians go but she is absolutely brilliant and check out the documentary check out her hbo special the documentary on netflix is outstanding um knock knock at signotaro is like i said one of the most hilarious documentaries you'll ever see and a big thanks to reno for coming on you can catch reno on my live sports where he's uh talking rockies and doing so in an intelligent manner yeah. which uh well, you funny, know uh, save uh, nate Kreckman is a rarity on our our main stage at fs1 one of our audio guys who works there he has uh Tig's good one on vinyl, yeah. like framed behind his desk. That is outstanding. Yeah. And now you can say, oh, I kind of know her.
Not really. Yeah, absolutely. We're best friends now. I saw her at the Boulder Theater at the end of 2013 with my mom, and the only other time I've ever heard my mom laugh as hard as she did at TIG was when I saw Jerry Seinfeld with my mom in college. And, uh, like, it's one of those things, like, with your parents – Sometimes, like, I never knew that my mom had this laugh in her until we saw Jerry Seinfeld when I was, like, a senior in college, and I heard my mom laugh. And I remember looking over at her like, who are you? I've never heard this human being laugh this way. And that was the exact way that she was uh, with Tig. So if you haven't listened to Tig before, go do it. She's phenomenal. And Reno is as well. And a big, big thanks to Reno for, uh, A, coming on the show, and, B, trying to save his nephews from being Dodgers fans. Um, okay. There's another uh, topic that we need to discuss, and it comes out of well, last more night. we'll go. Yeah. And uh, it, it involves the Rockies outfield. Carlos Gonzalez has struggled the entirety of this season. It looked like Cargo was starting to get things figured out. He had that one really good stretch of the plate from about May 18th to May 25th. He boosted a slash line from 214. So literally a week. <laughs> yeah. 214, 281, 321 to 256, 323, 393. Strung together four straight multi-hit games in the final four games of that eight-game stretch. And then he just tailed off again, and Cargo has been abysmal in recent days. Uh, he yep. is now 0 for his last 24. Um, and in that absence of production from Carlos Gonzalez, Rymel Tapia has found his way into the starting lineup. He has six hits over his last two games. He's batting 286, 375, 357. The pop hasn't been there for Tapia this year. I think it's going to come along. Rymel Tapia is also only 23 years old. He's he a guy the warning who, track last night. Right, and he's never going to hit 20 to 30 homers more than likely in the big leagues. He's just not the type of guy. He has a lot of bat speed, and he has good pop, but there isn't a lot of power in that frame. Maybe he'll surprise me and be a 25-homer guy. He's not going to be a 30-homer guy in his major league career, but he hasn't hit a homer at either level this year um he's got two doubles he, won a, won a this he year. finally right. hit one at triple a okay yeah yeah did not know uh it was a long homerless drought for him to start the year triple a but the point being tapia right now to me it's too early to say you have to find a spot in the lineup for him every day but I think right now you have to ride this hand. He's got six hits over his last two games, over his last four starts. He's got eight hits. He has to be playing with somewhat regularity right now. And if this continues, he has to be in there daily, doesn't he? And then what do you do with Cargo? Where is this going? So, so Ramel Tapa, you said, has six hits in his last two games, which is great. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez has five hits in his last 18 games. He's five for Yeah, not great. In his last 18 games. Um, so the whole year when cargo was slumping, people were saying, Oh, send cargo down, bench cargo, blah, blah. We kept saying cargo's streaky. He'll be fine. If he's hitting this way in the middle of June, then we start getting worried. Right. Well, it's June 16th and cargo overall this year is hitting uh two fifteen with a two ninety five OVP and a six thirty two OPS. He doesn't seem hurt. Um, and he has been atrocious. And so now it's going to be that time you start worrying about Carlos Gonzalez. He's rolling yeah. over and everything. He's striking out, you know, a decent amount. So now what do you do? You're not as deep on outfielders as you once were thought to be. Dahl has not played all year. He may not exist. We're not sure. Gerardo Parr is out for at least a month. So with Raymond Tapia, what he's doing right now, he's injecting a little bit of life in this ball club. And I think you try to work out a way to get Raymond Tapia into the lineup Four times a week. I think that's what you have to do right now. You want to see 
what he can do with an extended look, whether it's mixing and matching, sitting Cargo one day, sitting Desmond one day, you know, along sitting Charlie one day if he has to take a break, you know, whatever. I think that's what you need to do right now because you want to see what he can do because Raymel Tapia has the pedigree that he will hit literally everywhere that he goes. And if we're starting to see him finally start to have the light turned on at the big league level, you need to nurture that. You don't want to sit him right back down and say, yeah. all right, well, you know, you had a good couple of days while Cargo got his, his feet underneath him again. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be sitting for the next four days. You don't want to do that to a kid like that. That's a good way to time, put it. At the same time, Carlos Gonzalez, he has the track record. He has, you know, the the seasons where he's hit 40 homers. He's hit 300 in his career. Like, you know who Carlos Gonzalez is, and you want him to be there for you because he is going to be a big part of this team if they do make the playoffs this year because he is just – he's a guy in the middle of the order. He is feared. Even when he's struggling, pitchers know they have to be careful with a guy like Carlos Gonzalez because of where he can deposit a baseball at a moment's notice. So it's yeah. it's a good problem to have. You you really do well. If you count Ian Desmond as an outfielder, you really do have four real outfielders on the roster. You got Chuck, Cargo, uh, Desmond, and Tapia. And Parra so, has played well. But he's out for a month. Right, know, like right, right. Oh, you mean on the active roster? Right, right, right. Yes, active roster. Well, and the thing so, that's frightening is, like, then you look at the guys who are not on the active roster and you have Parra, and at some point, presumably, you're going to have David Dahl, who might be the most talented really? guy of the group. Really? What were we gonna have him? Is, is he a person? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he never existed. Maybe we all dreamed him up. He's too good looking to have existed in real life. He did tweet uh, go top. He did. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He tweeted yeah. mucho swagger, which was pretty yeah. great. Um, no, I agree. I think it's a really good way of putting it. That right now you want to nurture this. You don't want to. You don't want to sit Ramel Tapia and all of a sudden have a guy go cold who is who is powering you. Tapia was a big reason behind the win in Pittsburgh to wrap up that series. He gets a walk off hit last night. You have to try to bring that along. Yeah. It's just and rough that it's coming at expense of one of the greatest players in franchise history right now. Yes. But it's you can tell that the the players are loving the spark that Raymel Tapia is giving them. That's what we've seen as as a whole in the league over the last few years is that you see these teams that make these runs to the playoffs, usually they got a guy they called up, you know, some rookie or whatever, who just Sets them on fire, like gets them going energetically, gets them going with his bat, with his glove, whatever. I mean, the Dodgers have Cody Bellinger. The Dodgers always have somebody, but this year it's Cody Bellinger. Right. They had Corey Seager last year, two years ago, when they, when they made the playoffs. You know, when they, in 2013 they had Yasiel Puig. There's always like, a team that makes the playoffs always gets, you know, a big boost from some young kid. The Yankees this year have Aaron Judge. You know, it's if Tapia can be that guy, and I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Judge, he's not going to be a middle-of-the-order guy, he's not going to be a guy that teams will have to worry about, but he is going to be the guy that when teams are worrying about other players in that lineup, he's the one who's going to beat you. Yeah. Yeah. It's This is, I mean, the thing that we've said multiple times this year is that they have a lot of problems that are good problems to have. Yeah. just doesn't necessarily make it any less stressful to try to figure out solutions to them. Because say, I mean, right now we've had the discussion so often, what happens when John Gray comes back? What happens when Tyler Anderson comes back? What happens when eventually Chad Bettis comes back, you would hope? There is a similar conversation to be had about the fact that the roster at the major league level could continue or could contain uh, Charlie Blackman, who is arguably the best center fielder in baseball right now with Mike Trout being injured. Carlos Gonzalez, who's one of the, I would say, three or four greatest players in franchise history. Ramel Tapia is one of the brightest prospects in your system. Ian Desmond, who you're paying a ton of money to. Uh, 
Gerardo Parra, who you're also paying a ton of money to, and David Dahl, who may or may not have ever existed, but if he did, is one of the best talents in the system and could conceivably, at his ceiling, be the best player of all of those guys, Carlos Gonzalez included. Now, obviously, it takes a lot of longevity and it takes a lot of production, but that's how good David Dahl profiles. They're good problems to have. It's just it still makes them kind of make your brain melt in your skull a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, we've been on the top of your train for, I think, really since we even started the podcast. I mean, when he was in Nashville, I think yeah. when we started the podcast. Yeah. So the our, I think our third episode, we interviewed Drew Creaseman, then with Purple Row, and Drew talked about him as a blank canvas for you to dream on. And that was uh, after his season in Grand Junction and when he had started in yeah. Nashville. And that was really – we were very much on the Tapia bandwagon as this is an intriguing prospect who's going to hit wherever he goes. But now we've seen he plays pretty well defensively. I know that's one thing the Rockies were really big on him. They wanted him to make sure that he was staying focused. They're putting him in right field. Work. Right, I mean, which is not an easy job at Coors Field. Yeah. Um, for a long time, there was a lot of thought that Tapia got way too down on himself when things weren't going well at the plate and he would lose focus in the field. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. He's rounding himself into a very complete player, and he's 23 years old. So, you know he's going to be there. You know Cargo's going to be a free agent at the end of the season regardless. But this is a decision that I am very glad I am not a decision maker who has to make. He's a career 320 hitter in the minor leagues. That's that's (laughs) going to play up the big league level. He's never hit under 300 ever since uh, 2011. Yeah, but it's just the minor leagues. Montforts will ruin him. When he was a 17-year-old playing his first year in the Dominican Summer League, he hit 262. After that, he's not hit worse than 305 at any level. He's going to hit. He always hits. That is ridiculous. That is always what Raymel Tapia does. He always, always hits. Man, oh man! So and now we're and now we're seeing it right now at the big league level. Man, it's fun. It is a whole whole lot of fun. They're calling him Raymel Tapia again. I thought it was Raymel. Everyone says Raymel. Our pronunciation guide for MLB says Raymel. Is it that's how Tapia? we've that's how we've always said it. We've always said Rymel Tapia, and then as he was coming up the ladder, people were calling him Tapia. No, no. No, I thought it was Raymel versus Rymel. Right, now, right. I, I was Raymel at the beginning of this year. Right. Well, I'm I just saying we, were saying we it wrong. We knew and all along Rymel. that we knew all along that Tapia was wrong. But I thought, okay, maybe there's a chance that it's Raymel. But now they're saying Rymel. Now it's Rymel Tapia. Someday I'm just going to go up to him in the clubhouse and say, "How do you say your name?" <laughs> What's Which, your name, dude? It's generally what you you do with people, although I will never um, be fully confident in that for two reasons. One, we had a player uh, on the Pelicans in 2011, the year after Anthony and I worked together, whose name was Travis, and his last name was A-D-A-I-R, the son of former Orioles bullpen coach Rick Adair. Um, But at the time, I didn't know if it was Adair, Adair, however, and I asked him how he pronounced it, and he said, oh, either way is fine. (laughs) The, no, and then, that's not how this works. Also, Nick Castellanos of the Detroit Tigers, when he was in Erie, I was in Altoona and AA, and I interviewed him for a thing we did called Flipside Friday, where we'd interview a player from the other team. And I said, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Castellanos? And he said, yeah, that's fine. And then I felt bad about that for years, and I realized 
that uh, Nick Castellanos apparently, yeah, apparently just doesn't care because I tweeted that out, how I had felt guilty about that for five years. And Paul Wesner, who's a writer for Tigestown, which is a, a Tigers blog that covers the minor leagues, Paul responded and said, no, he legitimately does not care because I gave an interview in which I said his last name as Castellanos. And Nick told me it was good. And Nick's dad emailed me and said, Nick doesn't know how to pronounce his own last name. It's Castellanos. Oh <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how to pronounce his last so name. So apparently, these millennials, they just don't know how to say their own damn names. Who knows? Oh, my so God. Maybe it's, maybe awesome. it's Rymel. Maybe it's Raymel. Maybe his name is Todd. Who knows? <laughs> Todd Tapia. This is Fred Tapia. Tap, tap, Tapia. Tap, 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 Tapia. Um, okay, so I think that's pushed us um, up to the end. So uh, we'll put the finishing touches good on this us. one. Um, once again, if you want to get in touch with the old PDP, uh, you can email us, purpledinosaurpodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch and send us your information on music that you would like to lead off the show. Get us uh, your files. Get us uh, your approval to um, your, your mp3.com website. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Your MySpace page. We also got um, a really good email in from uh, a fan who did not – he didn't include his uh, name, but um, he said he's a transplant of Rocky Mountain who now lives in Portland and loves the podcast. He was a big fan of ours. He asked if we could call the games um, so he wouldn't have to listen to broadcasts, and then he said, quote, probably illegal, which, yeah, I think we would, would need ex- express would written consent. Would that we freaking could, man. Um, but a big, thanks, could. a big thanks to that fella for tuning in and giving us some love, and uh, you can get in touch with the podcast. Again, Purple Dinosaur Podcast. Dot, uh, gmail dot, or at gmail.com purple is where you can buy our t-shirts you can get your party deck against the world shirt we uh spent a lot of time last week um talking things over with tyler merkel from humble monster while anthony was in town about future ideas for pdp merchandise so be on the lookout for that mm-hmm. um and yeah i guess that's it buddy yeah okay okay uh, i'll talk to you next week love bye. you bye Gross, I just saw your text. You'll eat my face off? Yeah, like that movie? You're gonna take his face Titanic? off? You mean like in face okay. off? <laughs> <laughs> like that movie? Harry and the Hendersons? <laughs> like that movie? Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind? <laughs> so, funny you bring that up. Um, the other day, I, uh, I had... Uh, not, I guess not really the other day, a few weeks ago, it started like last year. I had an idea for like a short story that I thought would be a great idea. And then I was telling, um, Josh Jackson, who's one of our writers at MILB about it when we were in, uh, in spring training together, because he, Josh writes like a lot of fiction and he's working on a novel and stuff. And, uh, I told him about it and he was like, Oh, that that's, that's the plot of eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. And I was like, Oh, I, I never saw that. And he was like, yeah, no, you basically just <laughs> described the, the movie exactly. And I was like, oh, then I probably just shouldn't ever try to write this story then, huh? Yeah, like, that's the thing about Hollywood Unwitting is that everything's plagiarism. already been done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so apparently I just uh, rip off ideas unwittingly about processes to selectively erase memories about harmful love affairs. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens to everybody, right? It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of how you how you roll. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I subconsciously plagiarize uh, creative people. Yeah, well. How long are your breaths? <laughs> oh, I could have kept going. That's like you're like uh, you're like an Olympic swimmer. That was creepy.